This is episode 42 of the Coffee Break Podcast. Today, our guest is one of our very own Levi Gray, one of the OGs of the podcast here. And we're going to have a fun, informative, and really vulnerable conversation today about cultivating trust within your organization. It's something that we are constantly working on here in our organization and is something that we are dedicated to improving on a regular basis. And Levi talks about some of the exercises that we've been working through recently. Hopefully it'll be beneficial to you and your team on today's episode. So grab a cup of coffee and join us for the conversation. We got so much to say. We got a podcast to make. We're sipping on lattes and it's time for a coffee break. Time for a coffee break. Oh, yeah. All right, welcome back. Thank you very much, Levi, for taking time out of your work day to, to join us this morning, today. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be great. I think so. We've been having this ongoing conversation for a while, and I'm really excited to kind of put it into a recording state and so that we can really digest it and share it with our organization, but also with, uh, with everyone else. So, but before we do that, we do have our recurring segment called Rapid Fire, five randomly selected questions just to get under your skin and to give you an unknown point value. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Question number one, what is your real favorite book? And then what is your, what book do you, uh, do you tell people that's your favorite book to pretend to that you're smart? I butchered that question, but you know what I'm saying? So what is my real favorite book? And what is the book that I tell people is my favorite book so that I, they can think I'm smart. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Um, that's, uh, nice. Um, okay. So I would say, um, uh, my real favorite book is probably going to be the silver chair which is one of the chronicles of narnia uh my my book that i tell everyone is my favorite book to make myself sound smart is probably roots of american order by russell kirk so that's my answer very good very good uh question number two what game show do you think you would be awesome at oh um hmm I would say Family Feud. Family Feud. Yeah, I, I, I tend to have good intuition on on those certain answers that everyone else would pick. So, uh, or at least I would like. You got to a think, good feel for the pop, yeah. general population. Yeah, I'd like to think that I do at least of the random hundred people that they yeah, survey. Exactly. Who would you have with you on as your team? Oh man, um, my wife probably. She's pretty good at that. Um, Sam, just to make things interesting. My brother. Uh, Maybe, just to give Steve Harvey something to yeah exactly yeah. yeah something that makes him do his normal like head shake just like <laughs> and then who's the last person um Kevin Starr just because he always makes everything interesting and he usually keeps the competitive edge that's and, a very yeah. very rowdy lineup there okay <laughs> question number three if you could pick uh, one restaurant to eat at forever the only restaurant you could ever eat at what would it be oh man I would say cracker barrel it's uh it's not fancy but it's always delivers a good plate of food comfort food so I would say that question number four. What dance move are you secretly awesome at? Um, man, there's no good answer to that question. Um, the Carlton. The, 
<laughs> you already know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Can you demonstrate it for us? No, no, I cannot. All right. And then the last question, number five, if, if you had one extra hour in your day that you could do anything with, what would you do? Read. Read. Yeah. Very, very yeah. solid answer. Yeah. Not surprising at all. Yeah. Yeah. I have way too many books and not enough time to read them in. So many leather bound books. Yes. Thank you very much, Levi. Congratulations. You passed uh, the rapid fire questions and you have a score of 322, which is oh. not the best, but it's oh, doable. Okay. Great. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So let's get into the, the meat of the conversation today. So uh, one of our core values here is cultivate trust. Mm. Um, and it's part of uh, some strategic core values, the eight core values that we have. And one of them is cultivate trust and it builds upon uh, the other core values that we have and leads into additional core values that we have. Mm -hmm. We'll get into those at later dates, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but with that, here's my question for you. As we talk about this in our organization, mm -hmm. one of the things that I keep coming back to is trust, cultivate trust. Uh, is that a buzzword or is that, how do we actually see that in, in real life and in business? Mm. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's definitely a crucial concept to, to a team. I think it can be a buzzword, uh, just because it's easy to just kind of throw it out there. Yeah. Um, and I think probably one of the, one of the foundational pieces of trust is that it's a very uncomfortable thing to really hash out and yeah. put into practice. So I think it's easy to get into the comfortable zone and talk about it, but not do anything about it and mm. it become a buzzword. But I do think it is a very important foundational piece to any, uh, team group business, like really anything, uh, where there's more than one person involved. I think trust is integral to that. Well, it's one, it's an interesting thing because, uh, so in the book, the seven or five dysfunctions of a team, I think it's actually the seven. I don't even know now the five dysfunctions of a team. Let's go with that from mm -hmm. Patrick Lecioni. I think it's five, but anyway, uh, the number one dysfunction that he has listed is lack of trust. Mm. So it's interesting that you have, if, if in a dysfunctional team, the number one thing that would cause that dysfunction to lead it off is a lack of trust. So why mm -hmm. is it an important factor that you need to have within your organization when you're building a team? Um, I think because uh, the main reason is just because when you're dealing with groups of people, uh, you ultimately have to have somewhere that... Uh, you're either doing all of the jobs yourself sure. uh, or you're trusting someone else to do some of the jobs. Okay. So if you're, if you're growing your business, then you have to relinquish some of that business to another person. Uh, especially when your business gets to the point where you may have 20 to 30 employees, you can't do all of their jobs. So yep. you have to ultimately trust them, um, give trust to them. Um, so you have to, so naturally you're trying to hire people, train people who are trustworthy, yeah. who are worthy of that trust and who you know can get the job done. So trust is a crucial part because if you don't trust, it will ultimately break down the organization. So one of I and I recorded a video about this a couple of years ago, but on a trust score. Mm -hmm. Like, do you have a, a this trust score, like a credit score, and all these other things mm -hmm. that you can just preliminarily hand over to somebody and say, "This is how trustworthy I am," yep. and, and that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So, how do you identify trustworthy people within your organization, or as you just mentioned, hiring to delegate out different tasks? How would mm -hmm. you start to when you're dealing with people through mm. through relationships and yep. understanding how do you understand how to uh, how trustworthy they are yeah so that you can start to trust them through delegation 
Yeah, um, that's that's a really interesting question. I think it's trust is one of the hardest things to make an immediate assess, uh, a, a assessment of. Yeah, uh, when you're interviewing someone, um, I feel like probably the whole interview process is trying to figure out is this a trustworthy person? Mm. Because interesting, you don't know it. who they are, and you're trying to get familiar with them to the point where you say, okay, well, I think I could trust this person. But even then, it's always going to be on the line when you actually hire them. It has to be a uh, consistency over time thing, um, as I've heard said before, that trust has to be, um, trust I think is defined by uh, how the people around that person interact with them. Um, Do they follow up with them on absolutely everything that they ask them to do? Or do they ask them to do it and then walk away and they know it's going to get taken care of? Yeah. Um, I think that's, one of the things of trust is I think that a, like a lack of trust isn't a, uh, it's not that a lack of trust is a moral failure. It's ultimately untrustworthiness is a moral failure. So we, we kind of look at it in a sense of if I have a lack of trust, it's ultimately because someone's untrustworthy. So we have to really look in, inwardly and say, if I don't trust these people, you know, do they trust me? Am I trustworthy? It has to be something where everybody decides to consistently build habits or, or do things over time that those people can now say they're going to take care of this no matter what, when I ask them to do it. So trust, you're saying trust is built over time with consistency mm-hmm. and we can circle back around to that. How yep. much of that, and it's kind of one of the things that you were alluding to through like uh, an interview process or getting mm-hmm. to know somebody is the uh, the relationship aspect of building trust, the more that you get to know somebody, the more that you understand their story and kind of the, the, the behind the scenes type thing, yeah. the more that you start to build trust because you understand yeah. their intent more than. Yes. Yeah. I think, um, and I, that's another part of it is this, is, uh, when you don't trust someone, you may just not know who they are yeah. and, and I don't know you, I don't know whether you're trustworthy or not. I don't know whether you're a good person or not. So, um, initially we'll probably hesitate to share certain things with you. And, and again, not just in a business environment, but anywhere. Yeah. Um, you don't just throw out all of your secrets or at least you generally don't yeah. to some random stranger. Sure. Um, so I think, I think, uh, that's one of those things where as you get to know someone, I think, um, a lot of it has to do with, with that person's understanding that person's story. Where do they come from? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with, with, uh, recognizing someone's humanity you know like we realize that this person is just like me yeah the more we realize that the person's not like me um then the less we trust them and and Mm. the more we realize hey this person you know he he messes up just like me this person has a history just like me you know and he's here you know trying his best just like me and then we start to realize okay well maybe i can trust this person um, even if not in this area, I can perhaps trust them in another area. Sure. So essentially learn building relationships, mm-hmm. understanding their intent behind what they're doing starts to build and establish trust over time. Yes. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've seen uh, in our organization and in a lot of different areas is the, it's almost like you have to commit to a time period and it's an unknown time period. It's kind of mm. like our rapid fire questions, an yeah. unknown point value. Yeah. It's an unknown time period of how long it takes to develop mm. that relationship, to build that trust so that yeah. you can understand intent. Because I think it's the natural, 
maybe a natural human characteristic that you're always questioning questioning people's intent mm-hmm. before you even have a reason not to yep. or a, re- a reason to question their intent, mm-hmm. I guess. So relationship is a big part of it. And then building consistency over time. So what are some ways that you're seeing, maybe even within the organization now, trying to build some consistency over time to develop into trust? You know, I really love listening to podcasts and audiobooks while I'm driving, running, or sitting on an airplane. There's so much great information available that it's really been a game changer for our business. What's better than a podcast or audiobooks? Videos. Yeah, if you haven't seen them yet, we've got over 300 videos on our YouTube channel. Behind the scenes of our operations, team activities, business development, pranks, and, well, let's get real, a lot of coffee making. So make sure you subscribe and get notified for our weekly postings. Just search LOCDOC on YouTube, and you'll find all the videos there. Okay, back to whatever we're talking about. Yeah, um, so actually very recently, uh, we I was able to present in a Wednesday morning meeting and um, was really trying to wrestle through that. How do we build trust and consistency? And one of the biggest things that, that I came across was that there are definitely some areas where I am not trusted to do certain things. Sure. Um, and so I tried to pick out three things um, and just say, hey, what are the three things that I am inconsistent with that people can't trust me to do? Um, I mainly, and just like I said, it's it's all based on how the people around you interact. So I thought about those things. Like, what are the things that I'm constantly being asked about? Mm. Um, Go ahead. Not, I don't want to interrupt yeah. you. I want you to stay on your same line of path, but I think that's oh, okay. an interesting takeaway is what are some things that people, that I, that, people are constantly asking me about constantly following up with because that's a clear indicator that there's uh, a a trust issue there yeah yeah exactly and and those are the things that came out to me is like those are the things that obviously show there's a lack of trust um and so and there were very simple things such as as i'm putting in a, a contact put an email with it so we can follow up with it later um that was something i was not doing well with i would just you know, I would get through creating it quickly and then I would, I would forget to ask or whatever. And I'll move on. Sure. Another was, um, communication notes, which on our side, it's notes we send back and forth to team members to make sure we follow up on certain things. I was not following up on them as I should. Um, and so I would constantly be getting questions. Uh, people would come to me and say, Hey, did you see the communication note that I sent? Um, and then, uh, of course, uh, kind of funny, but, uh, you know, i everybody makes fun of me because I would forget to wear a belt to work. You know, I would come in, um, this is the first, you know, formal place I've worked. And so I just come in no belt and then I get made fun of for the entire day. So, um, so that was another thing I decided. So, uh, so really what I did is I presented to the team. I said, Hey, these are the three areas that I have failed to build trust. I have failed to be consistent. Therefore you don't trust me. Yep. Um, and that's tough for me. I, I, pride myself on, on being excelling on things. And so to admit my failure was, was hard, but I think, uh, that was an important piece of building trust as well of showing not just, Oh, Hey, um, you know, I'm going to get better at this, but to say, yes, I failed. And I think that was a part of showing people that I'm willing to, in a sense, humiliate myself in order to make sure that uh, I take that step forward to build trust. Yeah. Um, I would, and I wouldn't say it's a uh, humiliation. I think it's vulnerability, showing a little yes. bit of vulnerability to say, Hey, yeah, yeah. I, I would like to help make this organization better. Yeah. And these are the steps that I believe I can take to yes. help in that process. 
as an example of what other people can do as well. Yeah. So if I can do this now, it's easier that if, if I can do this and, and prove it mm-hmm. and, and be consistent with it, then it's easier to ask someone else to step up and do that as well. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think it's part of almost stepping out and saying, I'm going to do this regardless if anybody else does or not, yeah. this is just something that I think needs to be done for the betterment of myself and of the organization, but it requires vulnerability in that state. Yeah. And I, I think what, one of the things that came, came to me was that unless I, I guess, in, unless I kind of humbled myself in a sense, I felt like there was always this kind of mistrust back, back and forth where I, you know, I may not trust them to do this thing. They don't trust me to do this thing. Mm-hmm. And we're just constantly battling with, with, creating this gap between us sure and uh i felt like ultimately someone has to take that uh, that leap of you know what i'm gonna be the person who's going to humble himself i'm going to uh i'm gonna be the vulnerable person i'm going to be the i think a lot of times it's just kind of this power play yeah who's the best Mm. who's the strongest who's the smartest and so when you're when you're dealing with mistrust with each other somebody has to admit you know what? In this area, I'm not the best, but I think we falsely mislead ourselves into thinking that being the best, smartest, and strongest is what's important. Instead of simply, uh, instead of trusting each other, like yeah. that's more important than being the best or strongest, because that's how we can be the best and strongest team. Yep. If we have to be the best person ourselves at the cost of everyone else and everyone else's trust, then we're not the best team. Well, it's interesting. So we, we talk about teamwork a lot in this organization and teamwork by nature has a sense of competitiveness to it. Yeah. So, you know, it, maybe not internal competitiveness, but maybe there's an element of that as well. But the mm. external competitiveness, we want to continually be better. Well, competitive people by nature don't really like to be vulnerable because mm. they see that as a weakness. If I'm yeah. if I'm a, a strong competitor, I don't want to show you my vulnerabilities. And so that's part of it. But you cannot build relationships without being vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think um I think that goes back to my the point I made earlier that that we really have to recognize each other's humanity. That we're not uh we're not putting input into a machine and yeah. it's gonna do what we want it to do. And I think that's the biggest point of trust that is the reason you can't put a number on it. Like you said earlier, you can't measure it because that is the most human element of the business is that, um, you know, it's almost like if you were to, um, you know, talk to your wife and about how, how good your relationship is going and you were to say like, oh, it's, uh, you know, 95.3% and we do this and this, like, she's not concerned about numbers. Yeah. Uh, she's concerned about, you know, do you love me? Do you care for me? Do you serve me? Et cetera. Um, and, and to each other. So I think in a team environment as a company, that's the one point you can't put a number on. There's a human element where you realize, Hey, I'm a human and you're a human and we're interacting as human beings who have stories and we're becoming a part of the same story. So here's an interesting thing. Why do you think that trust in a team is relevant? I, at the end of the day, we're we're serving customers. We're mm-hmm. trying to help customers with their, you know, with their needs to solve their problems, to help them protect their people and their property. How are why why is trust important in the realm of our organization? Um, I think uh, bec- I think in general it's important. Period. Um, so as a result, it should be important. And I think that's probably the biggest 
uh, that's probably one of the biggest problems is that we see business as separate from the rest of our dealings with the world. Mm -hmm. And therefore we treat it like it's some kind of uh, machine or some kind of impersonal thing that we do, you know, like all's fair and love and war and business or whatever, like just do whatever it takes to get ahead in business. And that's the rule, you know? But the truth is that people value the same things from the people they do business with that they value from their relationships otherwise. And there's now the stigma of, you know, in things like politics and business because we treat it differently than we treat our normal human relationships. Um, so that being said, I think it's important because, because we are humans mm-hmm. and it's important as humans to trust each other. If we don't, then it doesn't matter what we're doing in life. It can be business. It can be, you know, friendships. We're going to fail. So I heard a wise man once say that uh, in in business, the root of it is supporting the customer, and in order to support the customer, it's how you start internally with yes. with your with your team members and your employees. Yep. So cultivating trust there yep. will in turn resound into cultivating trust within your customer base. Yeah, and I think um, it, it just all goes to the whatever you whatever is poured into you, you're going to pour into others. So especially if you want to see your business. Uh, treat the customer well, um, you want to treat them well. You want to treat your employees well. Um, because if they feel valued, if they feel like they are, they can trust the company that they work for, Mm -hmm. then they're going to want to embody those values to the customer. Sure. So let me ask you this question, uh, in association with vulnerability to kind of circle back around to that Mm -hmm. earlier. So, and you mentioned, you know, it was a couple of weeks ago um, on a Wednesday morning in our team meeting, you, you kind of went through this and said, hey, this is some things that I want to, I want to improve some consistency in, and this is my goal to do it. This is how I'm going to go about mm-hmm. it. So the question is for you, in that scenario, mm-hmm. you, you became vulnerable, you shared some vulnerability with the organization, with the team. How is your feeling if if somebody else is dealing with this and they're thinking, "Hey, I'm gonna," uh, I, that's something that I can do. Mm-hmm. How do you fight against the the feeling that that vulnerability is going to be used against you down the line? So that's um that's a good question. That was something I definitely struggled with, and it was because I didn't trust the other members of my team. So I'm here, here trying to build trust, mm-hmm. but I don't want to take that step. And so that's the point is kind of trust you, me, but yeah. I don't trust you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's kind of the point is that is that beginning that that process of building trust, mm-hmm. somebody has to take the first step. Somebody has to take the first, you know, you you've kind of got this uh you know, kind of like this demilitarized zone. You've got, you know, these two armies on either side and there's there's this area between that nobody goes, nobody touches. Yeah. Um, because they know that whoever goes on there is, is going to get shot. Um, so there has to be that first truce, you know, who's going to take the first step and it's going to take some humility. It's going to take some willingness to say, look, you know what, whatever I'm feeling, whatever, uh, and this is what, this is my personal, how I dealt with it was whatever, whatever may come of this, whether it's used against me or not, um, this is the only way to fix it, mm. to build this trust. So to me, it's worth it to step forward, take whatever shots it be in order to make something happen. Then for me to sit here and, and act like I'm high and mighty and, and not trust anybody else. So it's worth the risk to take the, the, the initiative to move forward yes. with some 
percentage of of vulnerability that yes. this could be used against me, but the the risk outweighs that, and or the reward yep. outweighs that, and says, hey, if I can push f- through this, there's actual real change that happens. Exactly, and and I think in general, when people saw that I was doing that, um, the reaction was not at all, you know, like, oh yeah, you did screw up, ha ha ha. You know, it yep. was it was very much me too. Like we all fail. Yeah. And like, that's the thing is that there's this unspoken thing in the room because we don't trust each other enough to admit our failures. Mm. Nobody's admitting their failures, but everybody has failed. Yeah. And so all of a sudden someone says, Hey, I failed. It takes one person to step up. Exactly. So let me, and I don't know the the answer to this question. So, um, I just kind of throw it out there. Did you doing that in, in our team meeting, open up dialogue, open up discussion with other team members and yourself about areas that they wanted to improve? I, it did. Um, at least some of them, uh, came to me later and there were things that they wanted to work on and fix. And I think the main benefit I saw was that there was less tension, you know, it was less when those conversations happened of even, even if I were to do something that I said I didn't want to do Mm -hmm. that admitted I failed, there was less of a, Hey, you screwed this up again. Yeah. And more of a like, hey, now I'm with you on this journey to help you get better at this. Sure. So instead of instead of it being me against that guy who's in the same company as me trying to figure out who's going to mess up the least, it's now, hey, we were both messing up, but we're helping each other continue to improve. So do you, do you see it as that kind of uh, accountability type thing where it's like, hey, instead of instead of me being inconsistent or making those mistakes and everybody knowing it and everybody having to pick up those pieces or, mm-hmm. or fill in the gaps and just yeah. not saying anything to me about yeah. it. <laughs> now it's opened up the conversation to say when these mistakes happen or when these issues arise, we have an open dialogue. We have the ability to talk through it and improve together rather mm-hmm. than it just being a thing that, uh, that you're oblivious to. Yeah. I think it, tur- it really turns it into a team discussion as a, it's almost like, uh, it's not so much a, Hey, we're, we're all sitting around here to figure out who we to blame for this. Yeah. And rather we're now in a place where it's like, okay, we're all on the same team and this player has admitted his failure. How can we improve our game? How can we make ourselves to where we can step forward? Because it's all of our responsibility now to help this person get better because what they fail at, we all fail at. Yeah. And so I think that was the main thing is it, it, it turned it away from a, me against all of you sure when the trust factor got introduced into it it's now a we're all in this together and how can we become a team and help help this guy out so part of this conversation we also had uh, a little worksheet that we went through called our trust score worksheet Mm -hmm. and it was in addition to what you had talked about but an actionable thing out of it that says okay so here's here's what levi is doing to be intentional um, and and build some consistency because mm-hmm. we kind of think that if uh, if you have consistency over time, it creates habits and habits over time create discipline, yeah. and then you don't have to think about it anymore. Right. So the 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 kind of a self evaluation worksheet that we had is hey rate yourself right now on a trust score of one to ten, mm-hmm. and where do you where would you fall in that? And then the question was uh, give us one thing that you have tried to be consistent in and failed, mm-hmm. and this was a personal assessment. Do it on your own. You don't have to share it with anybody. If you want to, you can. If you want to be vulnerable and and work towards building relationships, you can, which many people did. Uh, so one thing you've tried at to be consistent in and failed, 
the second or the, the the next question was two specific things that you want to prove and improve consistency in, mm-hmm. uh, and then what you can do to measure and track the consistency of that. What can you do to be held accountable? And then what is the result if you improve? So all of this to say is it's always great to be in a state of improvement or to try to fix things. But if you do, what are the results of it at the end of the day? And so in your scenario where you were mentioning, you know, the, the communication notes and the emails on, on contact more consistently, consistency, what is the result if you improve those things? Um, I think the ultimate result I would say twofold is one, it would overall improve the customer's experience. Um, because those are, those are all things related to, um, our interactions with the customer. But I think the main thing is that, um, when people, they, they, they trust me more because they know that when I make a commitment, I'm willing to take the risk, um, to ask for help and take the risk to admit my failure and step forward to do it. But they also trust me because I'm doing that thing. They trust me to do that specific thing. Sure. And it helps them to trust me in general to say, Hey, this is someone who's willing to improve. It's he's, he's not, uh, putting himself above everyone else. He's actually admitting his failure and is willing to work on those things. So, so if I ever have a failure, I know that I can come to him yeah. and he can help me improve my failure. So there's this, this sense of trust where we can now build together and not build separately and criticize each other. I want to ask you this from your perspective within our organization and, and maybe other organizations that you've been a part of trust in both ways, trust from your leader mm-hmm. and trust with your fellow peers, right? Yeah. So a trust towards a leader or that a leader has in you and then trust that you have in your peers and your peers have in you. Cause that's two different things, mm-hmm. right? So a leader yeah. says, Hey, this is the task. This is the goal. This is the mission. I trust these people to carry it out yeah. or I don't trust them. And these are my actions because of my lack of trust. And then in your peer scenario. So let's yeah. take the first one, uh, the, the leadership. Yeah. How does it make you feel in, when you're in a position where your leader doesn't trust you or conversely, you're, you don't trust the leader. Um, that's a, that's a really tough situation because ultimately it's going to lead to you. Um, well, if a leader doesn't trust you, they're probably going to be micromanaging. you. They're probably going to be watching everything you do because if they don't trust you, they don't think you're going to get it done. And so they're going to have to make sure you get it done, um, which is always going to lead to you just being disgruntled. You, it makes you angry, hypercritical of your boss or your leader. Uh, and then you're probably going to come kind of uh, gossip about him to your employees, to your fellow coworkers. Yep. Um, and try to start some kind of mini revolt or something like that. Generally, (laughs) um, having been in that scenario before where you just, (laughs) and and it's tough because, um, morale's down. Everything is, is not good. The other side of it is that, is that you're, even if you, even if you desired at that point to do what your boss wants, yeah. There's a sense of you're afraid that you're going to screw one thing up and that's going to be it. Yeah. And so there's not a sense of, okay, he's here with me, helping me, leading me to move on, move forward, to grow. Sure. It's kind of like, you know, I better get this every jot and tittle. Yeah. So it's kind of like this uh, repressive, oppressive, strict environment that doesn't allow you the freedom to be creative or to be... Uh, entrepreneurial in any sense or to improve anything. It's just do your job and don't move away from it at all. Yeah. 
which almost always, because we just talked about supporting the team that will support your customer, that almost always turns the the turns it around to being uh, leader centric. Yeah, which means that you are always going to sacrifice the customer to please the boss. Sure. So you're not going to be worried about the customer. You're going to be worried about the specific process or whatever that the boss is micromanaging you to do. Sure. And so, uh, usually that leads to customers being not satisfied because all the employees are just like, I can care less about you. So in the realm of building trust, so mm-hmm. doing things consistently over time to, to cultivate trust is mm-hmm. a benefit because it helps to create trust within the organization, which can be carried out because like you said, the reverse of that is micromanagement. And when you're being micromanaged, it's not a fun feeling to, to, and it, and it causes all these other things to fall down the line. Yeah. So it's, it is an important fact. It's, it's one of the things that we like to talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. If we don't make action to improve it, then yep. we know the results. If we don't, mm-hmm. what are the results if we do? And so you kind of have to start battling those things out. Yeah. When you get into the micromanagement thing um, that you were mentioning before, it's, how how would you perceive or or what is your perspective on maybe somebody's in that situation now mm-hmm. maybe maybe there are a team member and they're being micromanaged or there is a leader that's feeling like they are micromanaging mm-hmm. their team because they don't trust them and they've recognized I don't yeah. trust the people that I'm working with mm-hmm. what is the step to start that to resolve that so I think the the biggest thing is is Maybe, and not interrupt, yeah. but maybe if if you were in that situation, what yeah. how would you want that to be resolved? Yeah. So uh, ultimately, the big thing there is trust. So it has to. I think the first thing that has to happen is to build that trust. Um, if you're in a micromanagement situation, the leader and the employees don't trust each other. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of have a sit down and and address the kind of like what I did. Address that elephant in the room of hey. I don't trust you and you don't trust me. Why? Why don't we trust each other? What have I done that you don't trust? And what have you done that I don't trust? And then, and then kind of let that be okay that you failed each other's trust and then say, what can we do to step forward? It's the same situation where somebody has to step down and say, Hey, I I screwed up. I apologize. I'm sorry. I want to, I want to do better. So you have to draw it out. You have to bring attention to it rather than just avoid it and ignore it. Yeah. Silence is probably the biggest kind of um, silence is where the mistrust festers because when you're not talking about it and not admitting each other's failures, you're just allowing people to prop up, continue to prop up their own ideas about the other person. And so if you're everybody, it's, it's that thing where we just talked about, everyone knows already that you're doing this. Sure. Uh, and you know that they know, but for some reason you don't want to talk about it. It's all just as, posture. As if, yeah. As if nobody knows. And so they'll continue to think, well, if he's not talking about it, he doesn't, he doesn't care. Sure. Or he doesn't, he doesn't want to make any changes to it. And so, but what, what's really happening is you just don't want to admit it. Yeah. But as soon as you admit it and bring it out, you're suddenly saying, you know what? I am an imperfect person and I need to make changes. And, and that's the part of you that everyone can relate to because they're that same person. So it's very interesting. I'm looking at our list of core values right now because I think it's intentional about some of the order that it, that it's set in. Mm-hmm. Some of it intentional ahead of time, and some of it has been a an awareness of the intentionality after mm-hmm. the fact. When we have these conversations mm-hmm. in our organization of hey, we're having this issue here, 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 
this is kind of the theme that we go through. So first core value is defined expectations. Have mm-hmm. we communicated what the expectation was clearly? Did, was, there, it, was it understood? Mm-hmm. Number two is consistent communication. So defining the expectation and then consistently mm-hmm. on a regular basis communicating it. Um, the same message continually yeah. communicating it. Then the third one is cultivating trust. Number four is outrageous kindness. So mm-hmm. it's being kind in our actions. And uh, Dave Ramsey is uh, one of these guys that says to be unclear is to be unkind. Mm-hmm. So if you're not clear with people, then yeah. you're being unkind to them. But anyways, yeah. so so thinking through this, this is a typical c- scenario. Hey, we're having an issue here, here, or here. Okay, have we defined the expectations? Yes, we have. Have we mm-hmm. communicated it? Yes, we have. The next question that I typically ask people is, do you trust them? Mm-hmm. And it's a hard question because nobody likes to say that they don't trust somebody. I've, I've, yeah. I've picked that up over time. Nobody likes to admit that they don't trust people, mm-hmm. but they like to act in the, in the sense that they don't trust people yeah. by all of the, um, the way that they operate is mm-hmm. with a lack of trust, but they don't like to admit it because yeah. it's harsh. Yeah. It's, a, it's a five-letter word that is very, very harsh, mm-hmm. and having to try to recognize that and then say, okay, well, what do we do to rebuild trust? Can yeah. it be rebuilt, and what, what needs to happen to do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, one thing that's interesting that I've noticed is that um, our most deep-set beliefs are seen not in the our words but in our actions. Mm. The things that you do are based on the things that you believe at their core. And there's a lot of things that you probably say you believe, uh, but when you don't act on those beliefs, you show you don't really believe them. And so it has to do with um, that same thing is that trust really comes out. You can say... Uh, I trust that when I run across the street in front of a semi, I'm not going to get hit. Um, but but everybody knows you're not actually going to do that because you, you, you don't because you don't believe. Yeah. So uh, that's the thing is that um, that's kind of a crazy statement to believe, though. It is. It's irrational. But but uh, but the point stands. So so moving. So the thing is, is that when you when you really ask somebody, do you trust them? Mm-hmm. Um, the question's already been answered at that point because. Uh, it's going to be rather, do you, are you acting like you trust them? Mm-hmm. Um, even if you think you trust them, I noticed that you, that you're standing there watching them every time you ask them to do it. Yeah. So do you really trust them? Cause if you did, then you'd be totally okay with walking away after you've asked them to do that thing and not, not talking to them again about it, um, until after it's done. So here's a couple of takeaways. I think from this conversation, as we kind of bring it to a close, it's very interesting to me. Uh, and it's and and here's another the fourth of our core values is the outrageous kindness. Mm-hmm. So if you recognize mistrust with people or you recognize the fact that you don't trust somebody, the way that you approach it, if you do it with kindness, then you're going to get a lot better results. So in no way are we saying, hey, I've identified that I don't trust somebody. I'm going to march into their office or I'm going to call a meeting with them and just rip them from one one side to the other and tell them that they're a horrible human being that's not probably going to end in the, in the way that you're looking for it to end. So as you recognize, I trust people here or I don't trust people here or whatever, however you're evaluating that, the, the nature is to have a conversation about it, be set the defined expectations, be clear in your communication, consistent in your communication, and do it with kindness. And it starts to uh, identify, okay, what what are we trying to achieve here and what are we trying to work towards and what are the elements that we need to do to get that? And one of the questions that I often get asked in the entree leadership uh, uh, arena is what needs to, in order for this to happen, what needs to be true? So in order for me to trust you, what needs to be true or in order for you to trust me, what needs yeah. to be true? And you ask those questions and you start marching through that 
and then monitor it over time. So mm. in your scenario, you you sketched out how long of a period of time to build uh, consistency? 30, 30 days, 30 weekdays. 30 working days to build consistency in those areas. And then at the end of that, you're able to measure the results. Has mm. this improved? Has this turned into something I don't even have to think about anymore? Yeah. And at which point you can start working on other things and mm. start building in other areas. So I think that those are some very tactical takeaways that you that anybody that's listening to this podcast can say these yes i've identified that i don't trust a coworker i don't trust this person or whatever and this is what i can do to start working on it yeah just a reminder you're listening to the coffee break podcast also we wanted to let you know that our team puts together a weekly blog post you can find it at locdoc.net/blog it's guaranteed to raise your iq by 12 points or your money back so it's pretty much a win-win. All right, back to the conversation. One of the biggest things of being kind when you do those things is to really be willing to model the behavior and not just say, hey, I don't trust you. You need to do this and this and this. It's really, uh, I'm going to lead the way in this. And that's it always has to be someone willing to take the first step, sure, admit their own failures because everyone has them, yeah, and then start from there. And when you begin to unveil your humanity to that person by admitting your uh, imperfections, then you naturally will, they'll, they'll begin to trust you because they begin to relate to you. And through that open door, you can help them. You can lead them because you're now leading the way you're now doing it. Um, and that's the kindest way to help someone else to, to build your trust in them, um, is to just be willing to be that person that says, look, I don't trust you, but I'm going to kind of relinquish that for a moment so that we can build trust together. Sure. And be willing to really bridge the gap. Um, and that's that's really what, what it requires. Kind of getting it out in the open. Mm-hmm. Having that conversation, being vulnerable, being transparent, being honest, and having that conversation to work through it, I think, is better. I, I was having this conversation with somebody the, the other day, and I think the big part of it is understanding that when, you know, say somebody is listening to this or watching this, and they mm-hmm. go, okay, cool, yes, I, I've identified this, this is the way that I'm going to go about it realizing that you're probably not going to get major buy-in in your organization for on the first go-round. It's going to require you understanding the steps of building consistency over yep. time. So yep. you're going to come out with this grandiose idea, and then everybody's going to be staring at you like uh, deer in the headlights look, mm-hmm. and you're going to have to figure out, okay, how can I stay consistent with this mm-hmm. while everybody is watching to see if it's going to be real? Yep. And then once that happens, then you'll get buy-in down the line. But mm-hmm. realizing that you're going to have to have a small community that's going to build over time mm-hmm. based off of the consistency, I think is a, is a huge thing to keep in mind so that you don't walk into it and become discouraged. And that was one of the conversations we had walking into this was don't expect 35 people to march out of there and be impacted by this. Yeah. If it's three, we're doing good. Yeah. And those three over time will build into six and nine and, and move up the line over time, but it requires uh, that the the small few to start with, which is what you're saying, because you have to you have to kind of set that example. Yeah, and I, I think that's where accountability comes in. Like you said, is is find someone whom you can trust to just call you out on it. And when you do that, you're you're basically setting yourself up to with a backup plan of hey, if I start to waver, 
push me forward so I can keep making sure I'm consistent with this. Awesome. Levi, thank you very much for all of your input and feedback today. It's been very, very beneficial. And I think this is one of these conversations that can impact a lot of people um, and, and, and actually some really great application for it as well. If this is your first time watching or listening, uh, you can check out all of the episodes that we have, nearly 60 episodes like this online, all directed towards uh, business ideas, strategies, and practices, ways that you can work on your business internally. That way you can build your team, but also advice from other companies, other leaders, other people that are doing interesting things in the uh, in the work environment on a daily basis. So we have one of these every Tuesday at 9 a.m. and plenty of them out there for you to check out. So we ask you to subscribe. If you haven't already, check out whatever podcast platform you're on. If you'll hit the subscribe button. If you're on iTunes, Rate us at five stars. Give us a high rating and share it uh, out on social media. It will help get the word out and help us to communicate this message to other folks uh, in in our uh, in the workplace as well as we're all trying to grow and improve together. So thank you very much for watching. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time on the Coffee Break Podcast. To learn more about the topics discussed today and to connect with us online to hear all of the episodes available, visit lockdoc.net slash podcast. We got so much to say. We got a podcast to make. We're sipping on lattes and it's time for a coffee break. It's time for a coffee break. The Coffee Break Podcast is brought to you by LockDoc Security. We'd love to connect with you online on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Just search L-O-C-D-O-C-I-N-C.